0: All right, we are back. Good morning, James. Hiya. Uh, It is a hot, sticky, gross weekend here.
1: It is here too,
0: and it's, we
1: were slated for rain and super high humidity, but we'll see what happens.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think we are scheduled for super high humidity and no rain whatsoever, so I am in our nice cold basement. Mm. It is just me and the cat, (laughs) because no one else is awake at this hour. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so so that's what's going on here. We yep. have a we have a new hopnologist. Oh, excellent! Thank you, Jeremiah. Much appreciated for joining us. As always, we appreciate all of you and our you know our our Instagram is, is getting like daily. We're getting more and more followers. So I don't know what what's going on out there, but people want to know what we're talking about apparently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with that said, let's let's talk about nothing important today.
1: Awesome! I love yeah. those days.
0: Yes, yes. We're going to zig and zag through just some stuff going on. Okay, yep. What's uh, what's first up on the stuff list? Well, first up is you can actually go out and sit down and have a beer now. You can. Mm-hmm. But will you? you? But, yes, that's a big but. Oh, I thought you were going somewhere else with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <No>. That
0: usually <laughs> it waits for the other shoe to drop. But okay. It does, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. No,
1: no, it's a big but. It Will is. you go? And I actually did yesterday for the first time
0: go and sit down and have a beer at a pub. Now I and I did last week, so you, you were outside or inside? We were outside. Okay. Because inside just, was opened. Oh, inside was open. All right. Oh, absolutely.
1: Inside okay. was open. And they had removed basically every other table in there and every other bar stool, but it didn't stop people from pushing the stools together. Course. And so like there was like 50 feet of bar top that didn't have any stools. Uh, but we sat outside, and yeah, it was pleasant to enjoy a beer, but even sitting outside, there were four people to a table. You couldn't be socially distant. I mean, you're not six feet apart when you're sitting four to a table. So I was of two
0: separate minds of that, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. Yeah, I, I was too. I went out, a week. it's a week ago now, and it was still outdoor only when I went, but about two days ago here, they opened up indoor, so mm-hmm. I haven't seen what's going on indoors. But the outdoor, the, the tables were, were far enough apart from other groups, and I was just at a table for two, but yeah, I was there with a buddy of mine, and we were, you know, two feet from each other. Mm-hmm. And we've seen each other a couple of times since all this is going on. So, you know, you get to the point with your – you know, even beyond your immediate household, your friends, where you're, you're comfortable with them or you're willing to, to step into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. It's interesting. I've got two friends who are doctors. One who he – had, he had put something on Facebook about, you know, you know, sitting out on his back porch with a, with a glass of, of scotch and saying, I miss having a drink with my friends. And I had just come back from my day out. So I had a few. And I said, well, you know, whenever you're ready to go out, I'm, I'm we, we can now. And he said, I'm waiting two weeks to see what happens before I do that. Mm-hmm. This is a doctor saying this. Mm-hmm. The flip side is that we had our first um, – our second actually outdoor group Boy Scout meeting. And one of our guys is an ER doctor. And he walked right over and tried to give me the elbow bump. And I looked at him. I said uh, – are you sure about that? He said, "Look, I know that I'm safe because I'm tested three times a day at the hospital." Right, right. I said, "Yeah, even so, I'm. Um, thank you, but no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching you." So mm-hmm. you know, two two doctors, one on the front lines who's comfortable, and, and one who's a pediatrician who is still dealing with it, but not nearly at that at that scale who's very uncomfortable. So, so, so I don't know what the heck to think. But but that said, um, and, and, and you know, I could talk for 45 minutes about, about masks under noses and just, yeah, don't have yeah. to, oh my God. What was interesting to me when I was outdoors, first of all, if you're going to put out, outdoor seating out and you've never had it before, you need to think about things like, oh, I don't know the sun. There were a bunch of tables that had, that had pop-ups over them and I was sitting at a, you know, on a stool at a barrel, which was very cute and rustic. But, I mean, I sat down, I looked at my buddy who had beaten me there by a few minutes, and he said, I know we have this table for two hours, but within about 30 minutes, I'm going to melt. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I, I agree. And as soon as we could, we swiped one of those tables under a, under a canopy. Mm-hmm. But w- what was also interesting there were the number of servers they needed because there, there was – there's no walk-up. To, to a bar of any sort. They're running in and out of the, of the building to get you your beer. And this is a place, this was, was Voracious I went to, that you've been to here in Connecticut. It, it's a it's a little tap room. It's a little bar. And they have maybe two people work in that room. And both behind the bar. There's no table service. So now they had a half a dozen servers running around that they had to pay. Th- that's a, a big process change. Well, that, and they have to consider they have
1: to balance the cost of being opened with the cost of being closed and not doing any business. So yep. it's like it, you choose the lesser of two evils at that point and say, why open when it's going to... I could open, but the cost of being opened and selling my product and making beer is going to cost me more than if I was closed. Mm-hmm. And that's a calculus that some restaurants are, are doing in earnest right now. There's a whole piece on on NPR uh, in the morning last week on that very topic with some restaurateurs in Philadelphia. There's like, why, how can I do this? You know, it's like, I have to have a full staff, a full kitchen staff, wait staff for a half to a third of my potential customers.
0: Yep. It just, it it doesn't make sense. Why would I do that? It, It doesn't. And yet there is some cost to being closed in terms of your regulars and having them find somewhere else that they don't return to you from. That is correct. But I think right now,
1: since cash flow is king, not just right now but all the time, you don't have the luxury to consider that in your calculation. Because if you don't have the cash flow to run your business, it doesn't matter whether you've got customers that are going to go to someplace else or not. You're either going to open to retain customers only to close it a little while later because you burned through all your cash flow. Mm -hmm. So your customers are never coming back, or you stay closed or offer, you know, takeout only or whatever it happens to be to retain those customers until such time that you can open back up to the levels where you can sustain your business with the cash flow that you're getting.
0: Yeah, it's really business economics one oh one. I mean nothing nothing is is just anything right now. This is all new, but whew, it's it's so, so tricky. And this, this was an interesting thing to view. Um, now, you mentioned you know the full kitchen staff and, and, and all that. I will say that, that when I went into to my place, they had seven beers on tap, whereas they normally have 18. So there was a – and we've talked about this before on some of those stats that we've been seeing that may, restaurants that have been interviewed during this whole thing have um, – and consumers have said, it's okay to come back with a limited menu. We understand. Now, whether that limited beer menu is because they weren't brewing when things were shut down versus they just want to keep things less complicated, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the answer was there, but it, it was a very obvious, obviously pared down menu selection, beer menu. Beer yeah. Menu. Now, you, so I don't remember, I remember seeing the picture of you outside. Were you drinking out of glass or plastic? Glass. Glass. Interesting. Okay. Everything mm-hmm. here is plastic.
1: No oh, glass, and which I think is interesting because it's like, okay, so if you're going to be opened and you're going to have a full staff and you're, if, I think we talked about this way back when, when we had our first COVID episode, it's like bars, restaurants, their cleaning standards are already high if they have a license. Mm-hmm. So they've taken it yet another step. So why, what's the issue with serving in glass? I don't understand. People like, well, somebody else touched this. Well, it's not like they just in the kitchen they spit in it and wiped it out with a paper towel, right? It's it's going through its sanitizing process unless they know it's you. (laughs) Well, exactly. But I I, I don't get I don't get the whole. I think there's a lot of decisions that are made based on what a
0: someone or a few people think, but there's no data to prove it. I would agree with that. I would also say that to some degree it's it's consumer observation and if you – if it's believed that people will be more comfortable with a single-use container, then that's what you're going to do hmm. because there's someone who's going to go – like even my just asking the question, oh, are they using glass? Because you're absolutely right. The cleaning standards are already there but it, right now if they were – Two breweries side by side, and one was using plastic, one was using glass, and everything else remaining equal. There would be people that would go, Oh, I'm not using that glass that someone else used. Mm-hmm. It, it's just reality right now, which is so interesting because six months ago, there was such a heavy environmental push against single use plastic. And now, you know, and that of course still goes on in the whole thing with water bottles and whatnot. But, but now, at least around here, I don't know what the indoor restaurants are doing. I don't know if they're I don't believe they're using plasticware and paper plates because that would be actually pretty funny to walk into one of these restaurants and get your uh, get your bruschetta with a balsamic glaze and all that on a paper Dixie plate. It would be pretty amusing. But for yeah, around here it's it's all plastic.
1: Yep, don't get it.
0: No. No, they they opened up for, like I said, for indoor just a couple of days ago. I I don't think I'm ready to give that a shot. And even the outdoor seating, I had a great time. And then in retrospect, I'm like, ah, did I really need to go do that? And I I think at the moment I did. I, I needed to be outside. I needed to be social. I needed to have some reality. But, you know, everyone's had a different level of unease right now. Yeah. I will say the, the consumers I saw were, were well-behaved, you know, and.
1: Yeah, you, it depends. They were, yeah. So I went to two different vintage locations about a week and a half apart. And the location in Madison was well-behaved. People were respectful. There were masks. Um, granted, while people were eating and drinking, they didn't have them on, but they had them around their neck or they had them hanging off their ear. All the wait staff had proper PPE on. Went to the sock Sau- or the sock city location, which is in the county uh, just northwest of Madison.
0: So that's I the live. county
1: that's been doing no exactly. no measures at all this whole time. Yeah. Yep, and it's just a shit show. And I that's the one I I won't go back into. And that's the disparity between people who are in the know about what this is going on and, and how you wear a, wa- a mask for everyone and not just yourself, blah, blah, blah. And then you go to a more rural location where everybody basically think it's a liberal conspiracy and, uh, and nobody's doing anything. And it's just like I couldn't get out of there fast enough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So sorry, it's even closer. It's very close to me. It's my usual watering hole. But vintage, if you're listening. I'm not coming back anytime soon until that gets fixed.
0: Yeah, there, there's a there's a deli near me. I went to a couple of weeks ago, and I walked in to pick up some food I ordered, and I knew immediately I was not coming back. So I think I told you before we started recording. I had to go to the UPS store to drop off some Amazon returns last week. the The woman who runs this place, first of all, she's grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. She's not a pleasant person, but it's the only game in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no mask. I had been there. I've been there a couple of times since all this started. Never. Ever wearing a mask? There's a line of people there. Everyone's wearing masks. She's just, you know, being her usual grumpy self. No mask, no nothing. So, yep. What are you going to do? Not go there. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, well, what that, you're that's gonna it. Do. That, that's the trick. Find a different way to to re- return all these things I'm buying from Amazon that didn't I didn't need in the first place. Uh huh. That's a whole other conversation. So yeah, it's interesting as we get back out there. Cu- curious to hear what people are are seeing and how comfortable they are, and of course, you know. Different areas of the country are different situations. And and there are, you know, it's, it's interesting as this on the news cycle takes a backseat to everything else going on. There are, there are still parts of the country where this is getting worse and not better. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. We will see. From from a supply demand perspective, though, I, I did read something interesting that plays into what we've talked about in the past uh, on our last COVID episode about about hops and contracts and and sales. Oh, sure! So you know we we had talked about the fact that you know you've got a contract in, in air quotes, whether it's on paper or a handshake, it's still in air quotes. And I was reading something in the latest New Brewer. About the fact that, that Brees Malt, they saw malt sales from March to April decline by about 50%, which is not shocking. No one knew what was going on. People were stopping brewing. You know, it's, it's understandable. Mm-hmm. So they went out and cut their barley contracts with their growers in half for the remainder of 2020.
1: By 50%, five, 5-0.
0: 50%, yes, five zero.
1: So farmers already have barley in the ground, and they're anticipating harvests here in not too distant future. Mm-hmm. and Bree says,
0: uh, half of that acreage you have? Yeah, we don't want it. Yep. Wow. And, and you know, they, they went on to defend the decision. They said, look, we, we don't know what's coming. Our other option here was to wait it out, see what was happening, and then potentially even later, without giving our growers time to pivot, make the decision, which we didn't think was fair. We could also have bought the contracts that we had for this year, and based on our forecasts, place zero buys in 2021, which mm-hmm. they felt would have been worse than a half buy this year. So, you know, you can't fault their logic. And I got to say, you know, at least Brice with with set growers that they're working with, I give them credit for reaching out and saying, look, here's what we're seeing. And with any luck, things pick back up and they can raise those a bit. But... You know, as a hop grower, and again, we've always, we've always joked, but not joked about the fact that contracts aren't really contracts. Brees gave more notice to their growers than you'll probably get as a hop grower.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, without a doubt. Uh, certainly the big growers of hops are probably wondering what their brokers are going to do if there's been any communication whatsoever. Because the, the large scale global hop industry is in denial. And they're in denial about the fact that they're in an overproduction state. They're in denial about the fact of what brewers are going to be able and willing to pay for their, quote, premium hops when they do come back online. I, I don't see good things happening uh, for the for the large industry. But for the small industry and the non-traditional growers that we're talking to, uh, at least who we believe listen to our podcast, <laughs> they uh, – they're in a different, they're in a different boat because as all, as always happens with every sort of, you know, I don't want to call it a hiccup. It's more than a hiccup and it's less of a catastrophe, but it's pretty close to a catastrophe. Pretty close. Right. Uh, every, in every aspect of life, the people that survive that the, the best or come out of it with the least amount of damage is due to their personal relationships that they have and understanding that, hey, we're all in this together and blah, blah, blah. So as a small scale, non-traditional grower, you have that opportunity to work hand in hand with that brewer and show them, you know what, we are in this together. You're not some faceless entity trying to strong arm the contracts and whatever relationship that you have. So the brewers are going through a hell of a rough patch, but yet I believe that the large hop broker and wholesale industry is still going to use their standard strong arm tactics on brewers and brewers are just not in a position to deal with that. So I would say for our small scale growers that this is your opportunity to really pour on the charm and work hand in hand. And you might come out of this, find that you've got a much longer term relationship than you
0: had before. That, I, I think that's great advice in a time where we know we can't necessarily the, getting product into people's hands that they need is going to be questionable. you you use that time to to shore up those relationships. Um, and, and everyone you know we, again, going back to everything else going on in the world, P, I think folks are very open to to kindness and and expecting more relationships right now maybe than we have in the past. I, I think, um, the whole, you know, well, you're a businessman, I'm a businessman, let's be businessmen about this. Can we put a bit to the side? People are looking for a bit more of a personal connection. And um, I was going to say you can use that to your advantage. It's not what I mean. But you can you can take this opportunity to build that relationship with the backdrop of anything that's going on right now. 50% is a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. They've got about 250 growers that they deal mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. And uh, that had to be a, a difficult message. And To send and to receive, uh, and I'm back and forth on, on what, was that an overreaction? So this was back at the beginning of April, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll get into a little more of what the new brewers said in a, in a few minutes and why a, a lot of it is basically firewood at this point. Right. But for all we know, as breweries started to get a handle on self-distribution and curbside and all that and regulations relaxed, maybe they were able to pull that back up. I was wasn't able to find anything about that um, in short order before we recorded here. But if I do find something, I'll make sure to to, to post it when we when we go live on this. Uh, but you know, it be that may have been an overreaction, but it was a, at the very least it was a reaction, and it was a it was a communication that they had with their growers, which which again, getting back to why we brought this part up. Is probably more than you can expect as a hop grower. So be be prepared for things like that to happen. Yeah, agreed.
1: And plus, you know, Brees being in
0: Wisconsin makes them awesome. So, oh, well, yeah.
1: We're yeah, just going to add that. Sure, yeah, sure. Really, why not? Really genuine and caring. And
0: I certainly hope that that number has, uh, that cut has reversed and they've been able to, to, to do some more volume. But again, everything's so so wacky right now. Mm-hmm. You know the other weirdness that uh, that New Brewer mentioned, which was kind of interesting, is that crowlers were not only up but like hard to find, yeah, because breweries were busy filling them and sending them out the door. Um, so that's not shocking at all that 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 kind of you know the mobile stuff was was leaving. And I thought this was great too. This just speaks toward the the alcoholic nature and everyone. Larger package sizes, so 12 and 24 can and bottle packages, up 6% and six packs down that same 6%. So people are buying in volume. (laughs) Imagine that. Yes. Well, so
1: if I'm going to go out and I'm actually going to – and I'm not comfortable with being out, I'm going to minimize the amount of times I have to go out.
0: So Mm -hmm. I'm going to buy in volume. It's a thin line, and this is the whole toilet paper argument, it's the thin line between hoarding and smart shopping. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to take the things other people require. Now, I'm not sure that uh, you know the 30 cans of Bud Light is something someone requires, but be that as it may. <laughs> I guess someone requires it. I don't. Yeah, Others others but, would, would, would argue with you, yes, I suppose. Yes, they probably would. <laughs> Especially when you can take that box and turn it into a nice, like, Like sailor hat or something. Oh sure, yeah. So, you know, it's a thin line between the my basement is full of toilet paper, and okay, I'm going to buy more beer now so I don't have to buy it later. It's funny the one we were doing that with groceries and we still are like once every three weeks going and doing a big grocery run, and yet I still find myself once a week bopping in for four or five items because you know bananas only last so long and that that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But the big shopping we're doing chunks several weeks apart. But the one thing throughout this whole process I have found myself, find myself doing was picking up curbside at the brewery. And it's not like – look, I'm only one person drinking in my house. My, my wife and my teenagers do not drink my beer. To the best of my knowledge, I should probably be tracking that a little more closely.
1: Might want to watch a little bit.
0: Yeah. I, I th- I, as I said that out loud, I went, oh, crap. Maybe that's why I'm running out of beer. <laughs> 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 so uh, to me, it's been a bit of a social thing. I, as I've often talked about, I ride my bicycle to the brewery and, and I pick up beer. It For me, it's a, ooh, what can I do on a Saturday afternoon? I can take an hour and go ride to the brewery. I get to talk to one of the people who works there who I know well for a few minutes and I get to pick up some beer. Do I need any more beer? No. But but man, this will kill the boredom for an hour. <laughs> and that's been my go-to. But, but that said, yeah, walking into a package store and getting, you know, a, you know, I'm sure those samplers of, of White Claw and Truly are flying off the shelves. It's, Probably, yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean naked nauseous first thing in the morning. Sorry. Yeah, okay. that's all right. But, but yeah, the um the, the idea of buying in bulk so you don't have to go back, it, it makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. So lar- large package sizes. Oh, more beer is is just always better. More beer. So, so here's my problem with New Brewer this month. To transition okay. a little bit here. All it, right. It was. It's based on the 2019 surveys, which are all about growth and decline oh, from God. 2018 to 19. <laughs> even bother publishing exactly. it right now? It's like, ugh. and all that's right. exactly. And all of the it's funny. There's a different, you know, I'll say chapter, but a different section. One for micros, one for tap rooms, one for for regionals, and all that. And every single one starts with. Granted, this is being written at the begin, you know, in the beginning or middle of March, and we're just starting to see the effects of the COVID nineteen pandemic. So any of their forecasts of what's going to happen in these various segments, mm-hmm. complete complete garbage. I mean, it was it was good journalism when it was written, I'm sure. Yeah, but based on the way the world has had to pivot, uh, there, there's there's not a lot of value here except in looking backward. At what happened. There's not a lot of forward-looking plan that can't be contradicted by just anyone thinking about what's going on in the market right now. You suppose they were just like, well, we got all this stuff written. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and some of the charts are really pretty. There's some good colors. Um, I'm looking at the the breakdown of barrels by... By type of brewery whether it's a regional or a tap microbrewery and it's it's such a pretty chart it shows a nice trend like i would hate for them not to have used that
1: well and they furloughed so. a bunch of people right so they're like they did they probably did. i think, I think a day
0: and <laughs> a day and a half after they published this they furloughed a bunch of people
1: <laughs> like well they got nobody to write it so we're gonna go with what they wrote before they left mm-hmm. and uh yeah
0: and, and and as I said, it's kind of funny that each – because each one of those sections is written by a different person and they all lead with some you – know, they were all told you better slap a disclaimer on the front that this was all written right before things went to shit. Mm-hmm. And and thus they did. They did put that in there. So So whereas in prior years we have gone through this with a fine-tooth comb and talked about trends and what that can mean for growers, I don't think we're going to waste the time this year. Yeah. Because it's all, and, and again, you know, love the Brewers Association. If you're a brewer, you really should belong as we do and, um, and, and read the new brewer cover to cover. It's a great, great read. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, timing being what it was, they, um, again, uh, firewood at the moment. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's an honest review. It's, you're not gonna, it, it, it is it is i mean i'm I, again i'm still i'm still gonna say that it's it's worth your time to to hear what these folks have to say and, and again the backward looking is all legit but the man the projections which is what we would normally talk about where we think things are going and what it means to be a grower um goddamn. i mean who the hell yeah is?
1: we got There was someone on Facebook, on our Facebook page a week or so ago, engaging with us, asking, you know, what our opinions were on the short-term future of hops and craft beer and whatnot. And, I mean, when you're in unprecedented times, one can only guess. But if you look at trends and you look at the – just the sheer volume reduction in beer being produced – that's got to equate to a sheer drop in hop usage as it has with barley. It's just all linear calculations, right? Mm -hmm. So, if you're already dealing with a hop surplus from the 2019 harvest, going into 2020 and the consumption has dropped 50% based on the barley numbers from Brees, right? If you cut your barley for malt by 50%, you only assume that there's 50% reduction in production. Right. Where does that leave the industry for hops? That leaves well, the industry for hops with way too many hops. Now, people are saying, well, how are we going to get this year's crop harvested? Is there going to be a, a, a reduction in, in harvest? And yeah, probably. But net, net at the end of the day, you're still going to have way too many hops for the amount of beer that's being produced. That's my projection. Well, unless we see a whole lot of double IPAs. Well, But you're not going to, so that goes to how can you afford to make that stuff when hops are the single most expensive ingredient in your operation and you're already hemorrhaging cash? Yeah. It'll be interesting. The dynamics in the spot price market will be really interesting to see what happens. I'm suspecting there's going to be a lot of horse trading going on between brewers. Mm -hmm. So look out for those various sketchy hop exchange websites um, that just because brewers are going to say, "Well, I'm not buying new stuff because my brewer buddies are have hops they can't use," so they're going to certainly go to them first because they don't particularly trust the hop industry because they've never been treated well. So I just, I, it's going to be very
0: interesting. Nine, ten months here, it will. I agree, and I and I don't think it's really started yet because we're still dealing with existing supply, the those problems, and to your point, the horse trading. I don't think that's going to hit until the fall, probably. Right after the what would what would have been expected to be a normal harvest, that's when things are going to start getting weird. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I I wonder if the result will be perhaps some. You know, we can only hope the result might be some some different and innovative beer styles coming out of different varieties we're not used to seeing because. You know, hey, there's a bunch of nugget out there that no one else wants. I'll do something with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you know, wouldn't that be nice?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's probably you'll get it for a song, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and that's only what's good for the brewer. But maybe we'll we'll see a dip back towards, I don't want to say traditional, but certainly maybe more restrained hop usage.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that so, would be great. Oh, so, so, you know, I'll put you on the spot here, but I know you'll love it. Hop hops that have been underused, classic hops that have been underused recently that you'd love to see make a comeback because Brewers they're Gold. available out there. Brewers, Brewers Gold. I've Gold. always been a huge Brewers Gold fan.
1: Yeah. Yep, Brewers Gold, number one. Uh, Nugget is a great hop, but it's again falls into that Brewers Gold category. Where it's according, you know, everybody wants citrus and pine and and all that stuff, but these are all very herbal. Uh, love love me those hops for sure. Um, any of the four sisters. Mount Hood, Ultra, Crystal, uh, Liberty, all great European-style hops with an American twist, and all four of them have a little bit of a different take on, on that, but you just don't see them used much because of all these other crazy citrus, mango, guava, whatever take over, and everybody forgets about these other ones. Mm-hmm.
0: So if you make something new with any of those and tell us, James will be there because he, you know, like yep. all of us who work during the day, none of us are going on any vacations. We got days to burn. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so tell us where you are, and we will come drink your beer.
1: Uh huh. Done. Road trip.
0: Excellent. So speaking of drinking your beer, mm-hmm. since we can't talk about the new brewer forecasts again because they're 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 ir- irrelevant. Um. <laughs> Uh, you and I both have been drinking a lot more lately, it seems. At least I know I have been. And I've been trying new stuff, because why not? Yep. And to your point about about classic styles and all that, I kind of got on a kick the last couple of weeks of I just wanted some, some, some classics, some normal beers. And I picked up a, a stout the other day, and it's just called Classic Stout. It's there's no, it's not from a barrel. There's no lactose in it. It is a beer with chocolate pale malt, um, roasted crystal malt, centennial hops, Baco River water, Saco River water. I mean, it <laughs> it's it you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's from Maine. It's by Banded Brewing. It's quite tasty. It's just a nice, smooth stout. It's a beer. Mm-hmm. It's a man's beer. <laughs> I can't even say that without laughing. So that, I, I loved that. Um, I also picked up, I know you hate these, but I had a beer. Yeah. I know you're not a fan at all. No, um, I'm not. Where's this one from? This is from Massachusetts, from Down the Road Beer Company. Uh, fantastic, light, refreshing, uh, sitting outside, just drinking it, uh, and then drinking another one, and then taking a nap. Um, <laughs> Just su- such good stuff. Just just normal beers without crap in them. That's kind of been my my bend recently. And for me,
1: I'm still on the NA beer kick, and I have been having no end of fun exploring that entire market space. And I mean, now that I know more about it, it's been interesting. I agree with you. L- literally, I. I would never do what I do with NA beers in a standard craft beer alcoholic section where I just walk up. I've never seen one before. I grab it Mm -hmm. to try it. I would never do that with regular craft beer because nine times out of ten is going to be freaking awful and overhopped and unbalanced. And the thing that I love about these NA beers is the balance. Even the IPAs, very, very well balanced. They're not all great. Right. I will say there are some out there you're like, whoa, you guys need just better beer practice. Uh, but but the, the ones that are good that I like are so well balanced. And I just, the fact that just that fact alone has me drinking more of those NAs than local craft beers.
0: Nice. So. Nice. Mm-hmm. I- I had um I had last night for the first time I, I well we talked about Athletic Brewing always back who who are here by me in Connecticut but just opened a, a big facility I think in San Francisco I want to say mm-hmm. uh but they uh, um, no San Diego. San Diego San Diego San Diego yeah California's just yeah that's right. yeah it's, it's all one thing yeah uh, <laughs> yes you're right mm-hmm. San Diego they um they put out a copper. Called Cerveza Athletica. and uh, you know, co- it's interesting. They do a co- they do this copper, which is not a common style. They mm-hmm. also do a. Did I tell you I saw they're doing a, a gradeski? Nice, which is oh my god! I mean, you never see that, yeah, ever, ever. But the 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 copper it, it's a very unique style. It's not for everyone. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I mean, the la- the last copper ale I I really can remember having that was any good was from Otter Creek.
1: Oh geez, yeah.
0: Yeah, which is up also by me in Vermont, mm-hmm. and and Otto Creek used to own. I mean, when it was still in business, Wallivers, which was one of the only organic breweries around. Mm. So, uh, so there's a little a little brewer history for you there. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that the, that i call it copper. And it's funny. I I sat I sat down last night. My wife, wife and I were watching TV, and I had, I had already had I think I think I had that stout while I was cooking dinner, and then I pull out this one while we're sitting down. And she said, "Oh, what are you drinking?" I said, "This is actually a non-alcoholic beer. It's got 65 calories. It's better. It's better than having a Coke." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and very nice, very refreshing.
1: Yeah, I've been uh, partaking of uh, Well Being Brewing Company lately. Mm-hmm. They're out of Missouri. Yeah. Um, very nice. Very impressed with their they're brewing. Of course, the athletics been in there. I've been trying some Klaus Thaler uh, German, which is quite nice uh yeah so that's what i've been drinking i did i did have a a couple of a very good pale ale yesterday uh at the vintage that i hadn't had in a while using some an interesting mix of hops Uh, It had uh brambling cross and sultana which used to be called denali it's relatively new it's three or four years old and uh i don't remember what the other one was Don't remember, but it was oh. very well-balanced, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is really tasty. Uh, not – yeah, just well
0: done, Scott. I, I want to say that – wasn't Mark playing around with Brambling Cross? Uh, maybe. I, I, for some reason, because that, that's not one you hear about very often. I know
1: right. some of our Aussie listeners have Brambling Cross.
0: But now notice, everyone, all these beer review podcasts out there, uh, we did not have to say Crushable once during during all that.
1: <laughs> sessionable.
0: Or sessionable. Because they're those are not real things.
1: No, they're not. Pursuant to our things we hate episode that yes. dropped before this one.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, it should. So that's that's all I got. It's it's another odds and ends episode with a whole bunch of stuff we're noticing and drinking and reacting to, uh taking a little break from the science.
1: <sighs> yeah, it's been pretty science heavy.
0: It has. I, I will tell a brief science story, so a, a science and a just a dad story. I was having dinner with my family last night, and we were we had gone to a strawberry picking farm yesterday. So we're, we're having, among other things, we're having salads with strawberries in them. And mm-hmm. my daughter, who's 13, said something about, well, what does that mean? What about organic? What does it mean if they're organic? <laughs> so I, I put down my fork and said... I going to your tell Uncle you James. a story. <laughs> no, no, I, <laughs> I, I think I led with. I've been hanging out with James long enough that I can actually answer this question, <laughs> and I explained what organic awesome. meant, and you know why organic stuff's more expensive, and and then I got into the organic hops side of things, and at that point, when I made eye contact with the three of them. I realized this must be what it felt like when I was growing up, and my father, the accountant, would start telling us about tax law, and uh-huh. we all just glazed over because I'm giving them this this in depth discussion of of organic hop growing and why there's but the market for it or lack of market for it and the costs and this and that, and they're just going, uh, "Are can can we go play video games now, please?"
1: Mm-hmm. Well, like everyone, they want a simple quick answer to something that's very complex and mm-hmm. people make decisions important decisions based on those very quick answers and simple assumptions that end up screwing people
0: yes yes they do but it was it was fun to uh, to drop that information bomb on them they were not expecting that mm. for especially from you
1: oh god yeah well that <laughs> and it
0: might have been the stout talking to be perfect.
1: oh that that probably had something to do with it yeah
0: Oh crap, maybe that's why I'm running out of beer.